Or it can be, you know, just the work and walk of religion to where churches begin to teach that, you know, if you haven't been baptized in the name of Jesus, and there are churches out there that teach this, then you aren't really saved. That you have to have this formula to really be saved. If you haven't been confirmed in our church, then you really don't know Jesus. And they're setting themselves up saying Christ plus. Christ plus what we teach in our church brings together true salvation. And Paul is saying, all you need is faith in Jesus Christ. And that's it. And nothing else. And he said, don't get entangled again. You're looking too far for that need you have. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Galatians chapter 5, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 15 this morning. And uh, it was easy to title this. I've always like this portion of scripture, and it begins with the word stand fast. And over the last few weeks, we've been looking from chapter 3 and listening to Paul just present a defense of faith in Jesus Christ versus the work of the law. And he proved in chapter 3 that justification comes through faith in Christ alone and nothing else. And as he closes out that chapter in chapter 3, he begins to teach, and also at the beginning of chapter 4, that because we have had faith in Jesus Christ, because he has saved us, he has also made us part of his family. We're the children of God, and as God's children, we have become heirs of Christ. It means that there are rewards awaiting us as heirs. And then as he went on in chapter 4, as we looked at last week, he began to teach about the issue of bondage. And, and that teaching on the issue of bondage goes right into our text today because he, he begins to really emphasize this theme of the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. He closed out in chapter 4, verse 31, saying, So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. And so often, we looked at that last week, that there is this bondage that we have in life. We could be in bondage in sin. What Paul was dealing with here with the churches in Galatia was that they were in bondage to religion. They were getting in bondage to the the routine of religion. Through religion, they were saying that it was making them saved or making them more of a Christian. And he said, no, you are putting yourself back into bondage and, and you don't need to do that. And so today we're going to 
be learning two things. We're going to be looking at the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. This is one of the major themes of the book of Galatians, and that is the liberty, the freedom that we have in Christ. And then also we will be uh, looking at the freedom that frees us to serve one another in the service that we have as believers. And so we begin in verse 1. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. And he begins by calling the church to stand fast, and it means to persist, to preserve. And I have, through the years, and every year I say that, the years get longer and longer, but I like to observe people. I have observed through the years that there are a number of people who do not stand fast. Their faith is a temporal thing, and it's maybe something that they did to pray to Christ to receive salvation in the hope of going to heaven. Perhaps they were in a crisis in their life when they made that prayer, but they haven't made Christ their life, and they hadn't learned to stand fast, and they hadn't learned to persist to stand firm. Now, Jesus Christ said that he is that firm foundation upon which we can build our life upon. And, you know, I've been out in California when there's been earthquakes, pretty major earthquake in 93, and the Northridge quake that uh, woke us up about 4.30 in the morning, one morning. And the Lord has offered us a firm foundation upon which to stand. And So often we tend to get off of the firm foundation to stand on sinking sand or to stand on rocky and shaky foundations that are not the foundation of Christ. And yet we have been given a firm foundation upon which to stand in our Christian life, in our Christian walk. And we're going to look at the walk more specifically next week. But we're talking about a way of life. When In the Hebrew or in the Greek, when they use the word to walk, it speaks about often the road that you're taking, the course of life. It's not talking about just a journey, just a trip. I mean, it could talk about that. But when it's talking about our lives, it's talking about the course that you're going to set your life upon. And Paul is encouraging us to stand fast, to preserve, to persist in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Now, specifically, he's talking to this church who is falling under the bondage of legalism and Judaism, which was teaching them that in order to really be free, to really be saved, that you needed to be circumcised and you had to keep the works of the law. That was said to us in Acts chapter 15, verse 1, that they were those who came about teaching, saying that they were from Jerusalem that in order to have true salvation, circumcision and the keeping of the law. And Paul is fighting against this with the churches of Galatia. And yet he's saying that we are to stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has set us free. We need to learn to stand fast in that liberty. Jesus said in, in John eight thirty one through 36, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my words... You are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And they answered him, this was the Jews talking to Jesus, they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say we will be made free? 
And Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but the Son abides forever. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And so often I, I hear people talking, and, and we're mixing up psychology with, with faith. I was going to say religion, but religion is something other than what we're talking about here today. We're talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ to where Christ said, I will set you free. And man teaches us he will set you free so far. But you'll always be in bondage to some of these things. You'll never be totally free. And yet scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. The old things have passed away. We have become new in Christ Jesus. New. And to me, new means new. Remember when new Coke came out a long time ago? They don't make it anymore. It was a product that was supposed to taste more like Pepsi. So they're trying to swing the Pepsi drinkers over to the Coca-Cola products. And eventually, after six months, Pepsi said, you can't keep calling it new. It's not new anymore. How long is your definition of new supposed to last? We're not talking about revamping an old thing. The Lord said, I will take your heart of stone out and I will replace it with a heart of flesh. He wants to do a new work in our lives. And as believers in Jesus Christ, that new work has begun in us. If the Son of Man has set you free, you shall be free indeed. And today, if you've been in bondage to sin, let the truth of Jesus Christ invade your heart. Jesus has promised to make you free. And he said, you shall be free indeed. But he also said, don't be entangled. Not Jesus, Paul. Now back in verse 1. Don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, again, he's specifically talking about their being enslaved in this form of religion called Judaism, where they were teaching circumcision and the keeping of the law to have true salvation. And he said, don't go backwards. Don't get entangled in that stuff. But we know that it could be. I was thinking about this. There's a lot of things that we can get entangled again in. And it can be our old ways. It can be the old sins that brought us to our needs, that brought us to Christ. Or it can be, you know, just the work and walk of religion to where churches begin to teach that, you know, if you haven't been baptized in the name of Jesus, and there are churches out there that teach this, then you aren't really saved. That you have to have this formula to really be saved. If you haven't been confirmed in our church, then... You really don't know Jesus. And they're setting themselves up saying Christ plus. Christ plus what we teach in our church brings together true salvation. And Paul is saying, all you need is faith in Jesus Christ. And that's it. And nothing else. And he said, don't get entangled again. And so whether it's the lust of the flesh, the sins that brought us to Christ, or even trying to, um, through religion, trying to better ourselves in Christ, it's bondage. And Paul is calling us to be free from that bondage, to stand fast, to persist, to, to hold firm the freedom by which Christ has set us free. In verse 2, he says, Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again that every man who becomes circumcised, that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. Now, when Paul says, if you become circumcised, when he talks about the United States, he's talking about 
about 60% of the men in the United States have been circumcised, not by choice, but because mom and dad had them circumcised. A lot of the Christian church does this. And when he's talking about circumcision and Christ not profiting you in any way, he's talking about the rules and the laws and the keeping of the Ten Commandments and what they were actually committing themselves to, not the circumcision itself. But he's talking about the reasons why they were being circumcised. The Gentiles were being circumcised because they were told that true salvation did not come apart from circumcision nor the keeping of the law. And so they were adding to Christ. So he's teaching that if you become circumcised, Christ profits you nothing. Because what you are saying is that Christ's work on the cross was not sufficient to purge me of my sins that I need to add to the work of Jesus Christ. And that by my good works, and we know that the world loves to promote their good works, that by my good works, I will add to the work of Jesus Christ, and then I'll be truly saved. And Paul simply says that he profits you nothing if you attempt to add to with circumcision, with the keeping of law, that it's going back into bondage. And it was a needless bondage. The Gentiles, by nature, the Gentiles, they weren't circumcised. That's how you um, could tell the Jewish people apart from the Gentiles. But circumcision came as a covenant to the Jewish people. And now the Jews were coming out, the Judaizers were coming to the Gentiles saying that you need to be like us if you want to really be saved. And there is a danger there. And he says, Christ will profit you nothing. You have become a debtor to keep the whole law. Now the law, according to the, the word we, we learned back in chapter 2, verse 16, knowing that man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ, not by the works of the law, For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. In chapter 3, verse 24, concerning the law, Paul said, The law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. And so the law, it's good. In Romans, Paul says the law is good. But its purpose is to show our inability to do the things that the Lord has required of us and to lift up Christ and his perfect sacrifice where he has paid the the price of our sin, where he has done everything needed for our salvation. And it is my prayer that we would be continually indebted to Christ, that the grace that he has bestowed upon us may always be said among us, Jesus is my prophet. He said there in verse 2, Christ will profit you nothing. That's if we go into the works of the law. But Christ profits us in every single way if we hold and stand fast in our faith and stand firm. In verse 4, it says, You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. Now that's pretty big words there. But to be estranged, and, and, and we understand in relationships and marriage, those who have been estranged from one another, they're not 
connected to one another. But one of the Greek um, translators said of this word in the Greek, it, it refers to to take from the sphere of operation. In a sense, he's saying you, you're taking Christ out of the out of the sphere of operation in your life. If you're saying that by my good works, I'm going to beget salvation, that I'm going to do the work, I'm going to set myself free, then you are estranging yourself from Christ and you're saying, Christ, I don't need you to do that work in my life. In Romans eleven six, Paul referring to being fallen from grace, he says, if by grace it is no longer of works, otherwise grace is no longer grace. But if it's of works, it is no longer of grace. Otherwise, works is no longer works. Our salvation is either grace, by the grace of God we are saved, or it's by works. It can't be both. It's either one way or another. If it's by grace, then it abolishes the works. If it's by works, then it abolishes the grace. And I don't know about you, but I know my works. And if I'm going to stand before God... I would rather stand before God based upon the works of Jesus Christ than based upon my own works. Because I know that, you know, in, in one way, I'm not longing for that day to hear the Lord recount my story. I hope he, when it says, I've cast your sins, I'll remember them no more. As far as the east is from the west, I'm, I'm praying that he's doing a lot of casting. And that I stand in the grace of Jesus Christ, I stand covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't want to be one who has fallen from grace. If you feared today that you have estranged yourself from Christ, or if you've fallen from grace today, then hear the words of our Lord, and he's calling you to repentance in Revelation 2.5. This is a pretty harsh statement from the Lord, but we're talking about eternity and salvation compared to uh, suffering and separation. In Revelation 2, 5, he says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I'll come to you quickly, and I'll remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. And I pray that the Lord is working in your heart. If you need to cry out to him today in repentance, do so. In verse 5, he says, For we through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of the righteousness by faith. We, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of the righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. But it's through the Spirit, Paul says, that we eagerly wait. That phrase is used um, six times by Paul, once by the writer of Hebrews in the New Testament, it's talking about eagerly waiting with full expectation of the coming of Jesus Christ. How are you doing with that? Are you eagerly waiting for the football game today? It's not that we can't watch a football game today. But overall in life, where's your priority? Are you eagerly waiting for... For a raise, to hear your boss say, you know, you've been doing well, we just like to bump up your pay. That would be a good thing. Life is going to continue as long as the Lord allows life to continue. And we have no say in that. We can't add to or take away 
from our days. God knows everything about us. And yet, how are you living those days? Are you eagerly waiting in a great expectation of the work and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? In Philippians 3, 20 and 21, Paul uses that phrase again here. And he says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies that we may be conformed into his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. You know, the older I get, the thought and talk of a new body, I'm more attracted to all along because my prime was back there several years, um, several years, <laughs> and, and I'm looking forward to I was sitting with one of the brothers this week. We were having breakfast together, and he said, every joint hurts now. (laughs) He said, not just some, but every joint. But it's not just taking away the aches and pains. Did you hear the words of Paul there? To be conformed into his glorious body. His body, not ours. Are you eagerly waiting for that today? Faith working through love. You know, although salvation is apart from works, genuine faith produces works. In, in verse 13, and we'll get into it a little bit later, but Paul said there, through love serve one another. Genuine faith, it, it produces works in our lives because we want to serve Christ and we want to serve others. In Ephesians 2.10, he says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I think about this, and, and I think about my life. In many ways, my life hasn't ran the course that maybe I dreamed about when I was in high school. And I'm sure most of us can say the same. But I have, in hindsight, looked back and see that in a lot of ways, my life has run the course that God has set before me and has planned for me. I never dreamed of being a preacher. I was a preacher's kid. I know how difficult just being a pastor can be and, and the hardships that go along with it. My dad died at the age of 56, and I know he carried the burden of his fellowship with him to the grave. Now, who would want that? <laughs> Someone in their right mind, I guess. Let's avoid, let's avoid any trouble, any burden. Paul himself said, I, the burden of the church is with me daily. He carried the burden, the weight of the church, the new believers that he prayed for and got to win to Christ. He was concerned for them. But I realize in my life that God has, he has set a course that perhaps I didn't determine, but he keeps getting me on track when I get off track. And maybe you can kind of see that in your own life for yourself. In James 2.18, James tells us, but someone will say to you, you have faith. I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. And so faith working together with love. Faith working with love. Are you eagerly waiting, preserving until the day of Christ? And as we wait, are we seeing our faith worked out in love today? 
we want to take some time, and we're just going to go into an extended period of worship now. We want to be able to pray for you. And if, if you need prayer today, we both will have anointing oil. Um, if you would like to be anointed for sickness, for the filling of the Holy Spirit in your life, um, just want to ask the Lord to forgive you, that you would be this person who would stand fast and you realize that you've been entangled, that you've been hindered, and you just want the Lord to unhinder you today. I want to give us that opportunity for the Lord to, to free us, that we can run our race well. And you know what? He wants to. He wants to do the work. Quite often, we're the ones who hinder. And so I just want to encourage you, let Christ have his way with your life. Father, thank you so much for this day. And I pray that you would be with us now as we go into this time of, of communion, a time of worship, of waiting upon you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would just bless this time. May we not worry about what's going to happen after this, but Lord, may we just say, Lord, whatever you'd like to do during this hour right now, have your way in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.